Good morning, and welcome back to Coworking with Iris. Um, I am very excited today to be broadcasting from my new uh, home co-working space, my office, as it were. And I'll give you just a quick tour. It won't take long, I promise. It's very raw and unfinished still, but here it is. Just the tiny little thing that it is, but I've got space for about six members to join me, which I'm very excited by. And I'm also um, really looking forward to my conversation with Hector Colonas. Hector and I have been chatting uh, before going on air this morning about some, I think, really important aspects of policy and um, helping pushing the co-working movement forward. Uh, I recently met Hector when I reached out looking for some support around some issues I've been facing lately with my home co-working space, and I reached out on the Slack leadership group, and Hector responded, and I loved what he had to say, so I said, hey, let's chat, um, or maybe Hector said that, and we did, and I learned about what he's doing, um, both from a business side, but also um, what I believe is um, a true heart for co-working, so I look forward to this conversation today and encourage you to look into what Included.co is doing, as well as what Hector's kind of grand vision is. And without any further ado, I will introduce you, Hector. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Please tell us about your co-working story. Good evening. I believe uh, as your first oh, yeah. um, <laughs> first guest from London, uh, I will just get, make sure you get the time zones. Um, I'm Hector. It's fantastic to be here with you today. Um, chatting for years, although we've only been chatting for you know a few days now. Um, and yeah, uh, my, my co-working story kind of started before I even knew what co-working was. Um, sort of with web tech ever since I was about 13, 14. Um, and when I was kind of university, I started a consulting company that built, company, built technology for ad agencies um, based out in Cyprus. Um, was doing really, really well. Um, and I had this, this vision that there are a lot of young businesses around the world who keep getting tripped up by the same sort of mistakes, the same sort of uh, gotchas. Um, so I was like about 16, 17 at the time. I'm like, by 25, I'm going to retire. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go travel around the world, find these young people, and kind of invest in them. Uh, but when I was about 25, 26, the Cypriot market imploded. My consulting company took a massive hit. Um, and there just wasn't that money available to sort of do that traveling of the world and finding these young entrepreneurs. But um, when I got back to Cyprus during that collapse, I realized that there was a ton of empty buildings um, from people who'd suddenly downsized their companies. So we kind of took those over and made makeshift sort of co-working and shared offices, um, allowing the people who'd been sort of made redundant in one building now working as freelancers in the building next door to where they used to work, giving them that sense of sort of norm, normal, normal, see, normality. <laughs> normality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Um, but it's, yeah, we, we kind of gave that, that vibe back to them. We kind of realized, hold on, this is something pretty awesome. I've, I've worked in a bunch of sort of shared offices whilst I was traveling with my consulting company. Um, I knew this was something we had to do for the economy. But um, once I started realizing there was a lot more we could have been doing, I realized that we could kind of build tech to help sort of shared workspaces as opposed to being able to just travel and help a handful a year. Um, and now I started putting together the pieces that would become included.co, um, flying under the radar, pretending to be a sort of Airbnb of desks, and really gathering a, a, a 
really great community of co-working spaces that were looking for something more than just offering work by desk spaces. Um, so we did, we did that for a bit. We got to about 20 co-working spaces. Then we launched uh, Included.co back in October 2013. And what's the difference between a desk listing service and what Included.co offers now? Sure. Um, I mean, we, we realized one of the biggest problems with sort of the desk listing world was that um, the desks of the actual commodities um, and in order to have a ever-present uh, inventory, the members you place there have to fail or grow to the level that they, they leave the space um, in order for you to have a recurring number of inventory. So we didn't, we didn't like that piece of the business model. So what we, we kind of looked at was what other problem could we solve? And we realized that all the members of all of our 20 spaces that we were working with were buying the exact same services just at different times. So all the economies of scale that they enjoyed um, in their office space, you know, sharing an office, sharing coffee, sharing bills, sharing internet, was lost on everything else they were spending on. So we took a step back and figured out that if we could pull together this buying power and sort of fragment the buying process so that people could buy what they needed when they needed, um, we could build something that was really, really powerful. Um, and in turn, allow the members of these sort of spaces to sell their services to other members who wouldn't have discovered what they were doing in a, a separate network. Um, so that was kind of what differentiates us. We focused more on what happens once you join a co-working space as opposed to which co-working space you should join. I really, I love um, how you talked about uh, not, I, I take this as not really wanting to have um, a community uh, dismantled in order to have your business model work. Um, you know, understanding that your business model as a desk listing service was, was really based on inventory of open desks and that, um, and, and, and a high turnover rate of desks. And that really um, <clears throat> is not, that's betting against a community in, in a lot of ways. And so I, I appreciate that. And I think in our first conversation, um, that's probably one of the pieces that I walked away with very strongly from that conversation and, um, you know, really felt like you had integrity. Um, and uh, so I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, Let's talk a little bit more about the included.co offering. So you're basically creating um, group buying power. Why, what, what, how does this work? What does that mean? Sure. sure. Um, so basically, with the notion that once a company joins a space, there's going to be 10 services that they kind of definitely going to need. Um, so we can calculate how many members there are across the space. We started with, the, with those first 10 offerings, things like um, insurance for once you join the co-working space, things like uh, you know, accounting, legal, all the traditional business services that are normally aimed at SMEs, but they're not priced for the people who are actually interested in the sharing economy mm -hmm. um, or building out of the sharing economy. Um, that's how we kind of started. Then we kind of realized that because we were growing, we're now in 29 countries, um, so we can't always predict what the companies are going to need. So uh, earlier this year, we released a, a platform, an internal platform called the concierge service, where any member of any space can ask for anything, whether it's I want t-shirts to get printed or I want uh, you know, branded water mugs or whatever it is that they kind of needed. Um, across our network, what kind of 
numbers would be delighted giving in this in this sector. And then we, we pass that down and then we have a sort of negotiating arm that goes and is to get great prices using sort of the aggregate buying power of however many members. Hector, unfortunately we're having a little bit of a connection problem this morning. Um, oh, no. And so I'm losing I'm losing some of what you're saying. Um, but I, what I heard you saying is that uh, what you initially offered through included.co was a group buying power for co-working spaces for the services that they might need, like liability, basic liability and business insurance, um, as well as perhaps internet services um, and you know legal services for incorporation purposes and so on and so forth. And then you moved into offering um, benefits for members, which I love. It's actually the other way around. Oh, okay. Uh, we started by, <laughs> yeah, we, we started by um, figuring out what the members would need, um, really focusing on once you've joined a space, because that's where we, that's where we, our first relationship started with the space, bringing people into these spaces. But once they got there, they kind of felt disjointed. They felt like, okay, I'm here now. The sharing economy is lovely, but I don't, I don't feel it anymore. So we, we focused on helping the members initially. But we've also got, you know, at the time it was about 60, 70 co-working spaces who are also buying the same things. So we turned on the buying power for the services, technologies, and solutions that co-working spaces needed, um, treating them as if they were members, because they pretty much are, of the network that we were building. Um, and then as of January this year, we turned on this, this lovely little feature, um, which we're super excited about, was, which basically creates a new revenue source for the shared workspaces. So every time a member saves money throughout the platform, the co-working space that houses or homes that member, uh, or hosts that member, generates a little bit of revenue too, um, that they can then use to you know, buy paper or toiletries or consumables. Um, through the platform as well, um, essentially incentivizing the spaces not to chase sponsorships and you know exclusivities and locking their their, their members into a specific vendor, instead of offering the entire world a, a whole you know trove of opportunities and discounts, whilst still being able to keep their space sustainable, and hopefully in time earn enough so their prices can their desk prices can go more drop so that more members can join earlier. Um, this is one of our big goals for that whole piece. Okay, so let's say I'm a co-working space operator and I'm interested in what you're offering. I want to um, access the group buying power for myself, my, um, my business, but also for my members' businesses. And I see the value in what you're offering, but I don't let anyone sell to my members. <laughs> um, that's just like a no-no. I really protect it that way. So if I sign my space up, are you going to be contacting, reaching out directly to my members? No. Um, it's pretty much what we do is we, we, we provide um, community managers with the tools to connect their members to what they need when they need it. Um, that could be in a, a sort of a white label version of our marketplace sending them to the activation page of their space on our website, or using our API to connect our perks to their you know, mobile apps or uh, 
Nexodus or whatever it is they're using to sort of operate their space already. Um, we don't want people to sort of leave the community that they're with. We want them to feel that this is something the community is giving to them. Um, so we're not really interested. This is kind of why we were putting a lot of emphasis on this whole concierge side. Ask us for what you need. And if we already have it, we will present it to you. If we don't, we'll go out and get it whilst you focus on building your freelance business or your agency or your tech startup or whatever it is that you're building, that's your core competency. Let the, sort, the sourcing and procurement stuff, let us handle it on behalf of your co-working space. So we're, we're more interested in tools to the co-working managers, to the co-working space managers and co, uh, you know, uh, uh, owners to be able to kind of focus on running off the community but give this whole power, powerful you know, uh, trove of savings to their members at the same time. We're not really interested in sending emails. I think we've sent a, a total of two emails out to our, to our user base. Um, we mostly interact with the community managers because it's their job to be the face of the space. We're, we're in the background. I'm more than happy to be a white label um, sort of offering. So long as the members and the spaces are both growing, we're happy people. Great. And so why, um, one question that I think is probably coming up for you pretty often is, you know, why would I sign up with you when I'm really building these relationships myself? Um, you know, sure. I, I, I'm, a, I'm still that co-working operator. You know, I've gone out into my local community and I've built a network with, um, you know, a local printing office, um, a local um, office supply store, restaurants and businesses, even my local ISP service. Yeah. And I offer, I've, I've secured discounts for my members as well as discounts for myself. Um, and hyperlocality is important to me as part of the sharing economy and really wanting to support my local businesses. Um, so why would I want to work with Included.co then? Sure. No, don't, don't worry about putting me on the spot or anything. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, we do get the question a lot, and it's, we totally understand it. Um, it's, it's definitely something that we, that we understand that co-working spaces as, as entities are very, very valuable for the local ecosystem. We never really want to trample on you know, the local restaurants, the local suppliers. On, on their feet, because um, they will probably, out of the goodness of their own hearts, want to support their local economy, which is fantastic. Where we have real strength, though, is negotiating with you know the bigger players, the guys who do SaaS products worldwide, the guys who you know have you know hosting services worldwide. Um, really bringing those companies into supporting shared workspaces using our economy, using the scale of what we're building, um, is a lot easier for us to do. Um, and having said that. You know, community managers have very, very busy schedules. I'm sure you know this better than anyone. Um, you're not uh, community managers are not glorified secretaries. I keep saying this because it annoys me that people kind of think that it's a community manager's job to pick up the phone and find things for their members or answer the phone and tell people who are trying to sell into the space no, yes, maybe. Uh, we calculated over the last few months that it takes on average one to four hours to negotiate one perk for your members. Wow. So if we're, if, we, if we're sort of calculating that across a year, one community manager will use you know, almost 100 plus hours just to get something like 30 to 40 perks for their members. Whereas if our job is only to get great deals for members, we can do that at scale in the co-working space for making that opportunity available to their members. Right. Um, which it's just, it's just it, it, yeah, at, at, at the scale of things, it just doesn't make sense for 
you know, 10 co-working spaces to all use 100 hours when we can use 100 hours and give it to all 10 co-working spaces? Um, I like your reasoning there. <laughs> and you can still keep your whole connections, right? Um, I mean, a lot of these yeah, of course, of course. To our, our, our services that, um, that it might make sense to go with a bigger for, firm or a firm that matches the needs of a co-working space's members, which might have clients in a global, um, in, in the global marketplace. I mean, um, just, just to pick up from that, oh, sorry for interrupting you. Um, there's, there's obviously two more little elements that come very closely with that, is the fact that a lot of members will want to launch in other countries and other cities. So being connected to a sort of network that lets them get those local perks when they don't know what they're, where they're going or why they're going there um, is definitely something that's really powerful. But what we've also seen is some co-working space operators prefer to onboard their local providers into our platform so that those local providers can then sell a little bit further out. Mm. So instead of offering a, co a perk to my co-working space, offer it to the 10 co-working spaces that are around us, all part of the included network. The revenue is all tracked. You know who's buying what. Um, and the fact that you've helped that local business expand their reach instead of just focusing on your community. So we've seen that happen quite often, and it really feels great because they see the power that they're giving to these vendors um, you know, to sell their T-shirts a little bit further on or to you know, do food deliveries a little bit further on. And yeah, it's a, it's a great pe a part and the community to be, to be involved with. Yeah, and I, I do love that because really what you're doing is um, helping small businesses all over and not just those contained within co-working spaces or shared workspaces. Um, and one thing that we talked about before we came on air this morning that I'd love to touch on before we dive into some technical aspects of getting started with Included.co, um, I, I feel like one of the big nuts that the co-working movement still needs to crack is shaping policy for the gig economy. Um, I'm a freelancer uh, or, a, or a, you know, an entrepreneur, um, a gig economist. I don't really know what you say, but there's, there's a thousand words out there. <laughs> Sounds um, good. So I, I'm responsible for covering all of my own benefits, you know, my healthcare, um, my, um, my retirement, uh, my sick time, <laughs> my sick leave. <laughs> Um, when my kids get sick and I need to stay home, you know, I don't work. And as yeah, a single cool. parent and, um, and a, a small business owner, you know, there's money is tight always. I live in a really expensive economy and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and I think there's more, there's obviously a lot of conversations going around right now about um, the gig economy and the needs for, um, you know, for people who are often our members as co-working space operators. And one of the things that I, um, I think um, the group buying power can can really support is policy change around offering services to freelancers to small businesses to the co-working spaces or the shared workspaces that really um, um, support them in a way that uh, changes the 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 services that are being sold or changes the rules and the regulations around those services to better support small businesses. We talked about this a little bit before um, we got started today. I'd love to get your take on that. And there was one thing you said in particular, which was that before Included.co was formed, um, you know, access to buying insurance um, there in the UK was 
um, really with not within the reach of co-working operators and co-working owners in 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 a beneficial way for them the sort of out-of-the-box insurance program wasn't what they needed can you tell us a little bit about your experience with yeah sure um, I mean, we should probably uh, preface this all by saying, yeah, we're, we're an apolitical organization. We are a, a commercial entity, um, but our, our, our sort of business model ties us very, very closely to finding and building products and services and solutions that actually make sense for people in the, you know, the new age economy, whether it's freelancers, co-working spaces, co-working members. Um, so yeah, what we Although we don't, we don't like to see ourselves as a sort of lobbying company or a lobbying arm, it's definitely not what we do. Um, we do believe that um, our members can speak with their wallets. Um, and we have seen that because, I mean, as you, as you mentioned, um, when we first launched in the UK, we had about four or five partner spaces out in Manchester. We got in touch with some, some insurance companies and we're getting through um, our interactions with the co-working spaces, we're getting a lot of feedback that not only could the co-working spaces not adequately protect themselves with insurance, but the members couldn't insure the devices and the, 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 the items or work that they left in the co-working spaces. Uh, so we basically sat for about six to nine months going back and forth with a bunch of suppliers, um, telling them that this is what we're going to build. We're not talking about the four or five spaces now. We're talking about the 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 spaces that we're going to be working with over the next two years. But what we need from them is a bit of, you know, a bit of faith in the fact that members need a, sure, a, a sort of insurance package that makes sense for co-working spaces. I mean, before we opened up and before we started having these discussions, if you left a laptop um, on your desk and you went to, you know, to the loo or to make a cup of coffee and you came back and it was gone, that was it. It was a public <laughs> space. There's no ways you can ensure that. But with the, the partnerships we're building, in about 80% of the world right now, you can get insurance through us if you're a member of a co-working space. Through our partners, we're not underwriters. We do it all through third parties. But we've gone through with a fine... Uh, Know, tooth comb and really made sure that you know the data is protected for the members who are in co-working spaces if there's a data breach if the power goes out if you know there's you know a natural disaster and you can't work and um, you get ill or your laptop gets swiped this stuff should be covered without it being forced that you have to fasten your laptop or your desktop to the desk um, and yeah, it took a long time for us to do it, but it's the kind of things that we'd love to do because of you know, the, the impact that we can create with one such a deal. Um, and now, I mean, since, we, since we've pushed that out, we've seen about six, seven other companies in the UK offering co-working insurance, which is fantastic because it's not about creating monopolies, it's about creating the change that we need to exist to enable the gig economy, to enable the sharing workspaces, and to enable you know, people to be able to, to think about changing the world and not think about the back office business stuff that they need to do the day-to-day -day operations. I love that. <laughs> Let's let our community <laughs> think about changing the world. Wonderful. Well, I promised our viewers today that we would get into some technical aspects. Um, and I feel like we could probably have this conversation for a while. So. Um, <laughs> We'll move away from policy and the gig economy, and uh, <laughs> and we'll do another show about it. Cool. What's that? We'll do we'll do another show about it. We okay. can come, you bring me back. I would love that. <laughs> Maybe a panel. We can get a bunch of people on talking about that. That would be Sounds really fantastic. Um, 
So I'm curious. Sorry, oh, please. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, <laughs> who's currently included in the included.co network? Um, you know, just maybe a highlight. You, you're in 29 countries, yeah. um, and you have a lot of member spaces. Um, so, who who's part of those space? Who, who's part of that network? And then, um, what are the uh, additional services that you can provide besides insurance and ISP sure. access? Sure. Um, so, yeah, we we're we're in, as I said, uh, the 29 countries. Um, we have a ton of spaces that are currently being onboarded. Um, some some countries we haven't announced yet, purely because we want to get to a, a sizable number before we announce it. That's what we did for the U.S. when we announced the first five spaces. We now have 18 hubs across the U.S. that we work with. Fantastic spaces, you know, from uh, you know the startup building in Provo to blank spaces, you know, in LA. All the way across to you know a few fantastic spaces over in um, you know Silicon Valley and New York, New Jersey, uh, Michigan, yeah, Tennessee. Fantastic spaces that are just kind of spread and are all doing something fantastic. Um, but our, our, our definitely our, our biggest cluster of partner spaces is here in London, um, pretty much because here we're doing all of our, our experimentation. Um, but it also allows us to to sort of see if what we test in London works in the other locations. Um, we're really, really interested in growing our network in Africa. I, I was born in South Africa, so I have a very big um, passion for enabling other South African entrepreneurs and fellow African entrepreneurs. Um, I'm really interested in breaking down borders, so connecting you know, Far East with Europe, with America, connecting the people who are in the co-working spaces together. Um, so that's kind of the span of, what we, of where we are. Um, but like the services, we, we got everything from, you know, sort of the, the puzzle piece type marketing services, so graphic design, SEO, uh, web design, web development, MVP development, uh, legal services, accounting services, obviously, mostly in the UK, but we are doing in the US as well. Um, we've got fantastic partner, our first, one of our first partners in the US, and Co, who took all the back office operations for... Uh, freelancers, they're one of our first US partners. Very, very excited about that. Um, we got, we got uh, one of the fantastic things we've got now is Ori Stand, a Canadian company. Um, got very few spaces in Canada, but we connected with this Canadian company. And what they do is a sort of $30 fold-out stand-up desk. We're helping them set up the whole logistics to get everyone in our network at least access to a $30 standing desk because, you know, sitting down all day is just horrible for your health. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it's, it's pretty much whatever we can use economies of scale to get. Um, we will find a way to make the prices come down for our members. Mm -hmm. um, it, it makes sense for the businesses as well. I don't like it to come off as if as though we're some sort of bullying organization that goes to vendors and say, you have to give us a good price. Um, it just makes sense for them because we, we sort of remove the whole discovery cost. So the whole user acquisition cost that traditionally B2B businesses used to have is suddenly vanished, and we're connecting decision makers directly to these vendors um, at even with the discount that they offer at a fraction of what they were paying initially, um, and that's just a, such a powerful thing to be able to create, you know, a win-win-win relationship. Absolutely. For the entire. <clears throat> we only have a couple minutes left, so I want to make sure that we move into some of the um, the actual aspects of, of joining the network. So um, I, I decided, I'm a still a co-working space operator here, I've decided that it does make sense for me to um, join your network. And 
what's my first step and um, what's involved for me technically in helping my members get access to these services? How much time am I going to spend connecting my members with this platform and, you know, which my day is already really busy. <laughs> totally understand. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're so happy to hear that you think it's, it's something you would, would be worth for your, <laughs> worthwhile for your members. I mean, that's kind of what we do. So a little bit of pressure, a little bit of pressure on us. Um, but yeah, the, the whole sale process is designed to be a lot faster than it would have taken you to negotiate one perk for your members. Um, it's a sort of pretty much a three three form process. You create a, con a point of contact profile um, for yourself or whoever's going to be head of your space, the operator. Um, you then create a business profile just so we know who the legal entity behind the space is um, and who we should be sending money to whenever they make money. Um, and then you can kind of create a workspace profile. Once you've created a workspace profile, you can list desks that are available um, just because that's how we started. And the Airbnb desk of desk thing still is there and still is being used by members to book desks around the world. Um, we do have a small 10% fee on whatever we book there, but we split that with a fund to support um, sort of entrepreneurship in the most remote places of the world. Knowing that that's not our business model, people still want to pay for it, so we might as well use that money to do good somewhere in the world um, rather than just leave the money on the table. Um, and that basically, once that's all done, we go through, we review it, we make sure that the profile looks fantastic, um, and then we send you, we, we, we publish it and give you a link to give to your members. Um, that's the how easiest many, way to. How many hours in setup, involved in setup, and do you do setup, do you walk us through setup? Um, I, spent, yeah. I spent four and a half hours yesterday trying to um, get set up with an online chat service, and uh, we're still not there. Um, it was very. <laughs> very ridiculous and they had no support and it finally it took me that long to get through to the right person um so do you offer onboarding support to people well, we, we our, the, the way we kind of talk about spaces is they're our partners they're not our customers we don't charge the spaces for being part of this network in which case it's our job to make sure they can get onboarded make sure they can get the service that we're offering to their members so from the second that you create a, a workspace profile I will probably email you myself as founder of the company to figure out what we can do to make it easier for you, to help, your pro make, help you make sure your profile looks as great as it can, um, and then also to work with you to you know, sort of run some engagement campaigns with your community so that they don't, they don't feel that they're being spammed, but they also see the value of what you've, give, you've, you've joined the network to give them. Um, and the total time for setup, I mean, if you have all the photos and stuff lying around on your computer, it's about 35 minutes um, if you've got a slow internet connection and your pictures are really big. It can be, a, we've had spaces set up in under 10 minutes. Wow, that's wonderful. And then how, um, how does your ongoing support work? Do you have support through um, an ongoing forum? Is it email based? How long does it take um, to get Sure, I mean, we normally have uh, intercom set up. We're just busy doing some upgrades to our intercom integration. Um, <laughs> once that's set up, you pretty much have 24 hour access. Um, we'll probably. I mean, I, I get very little sleep because I'm currently supporting uh, everything from U.S. Or until you know, uh, probably Eastern Europe. And then we have another person supporting Eastern Europe all the way across back to America. So I'll probably be one of the people speaking to the people in the U.S., um, which means I get very little sleep. But I love what we're doing. I love the fact that we get to help so many people through one space at a time. Um, so yeah, you'll probably get a pretty 
ridiculous response time in the fact that we'll be there to help you. Um, and if we can't, we'll at least tell you that we've got your message and we're definitely working on finding a solution to whatever your problem is. Um, because if, you're, if you've got a problem, that means you're, wait, you're taking time away from your community to try and solve a problem that isn't yours to solve. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Hector, it's time for us to wrap up. Can you leave us with any last thoughts, last words on your offering and in, in general creating uh, this group network that you're working on? Sure. I mean, I think I'd, I'd definitely leave it with, um, you know, there's so many great spaces, so many niche spaces around the world that are doing something really special for their local economy. Um, and they have to stop seeing, we have to stop seeing each other as competition or as some sort of, you know, catch. Um, working together, we can definitely create a way for businesses to change the world. And as we like to say, you know, change the world one desk at a time. So every member counts, every space counts, every community counts. Um, everyone together can get so much more included with their membership. And that's pretty much how I'd like to leave it. Wonderful. Wow. Well, thank you, Hector. It was really lovely talking with you today. And um, I just love that you what you finished with. Um, my motto is changing the world one member at a time. So there we are. It sounds like we're in sync. Fantastic. <laughs> I look forward well, to working you. with you even more. Yeah, just wonderful. I, I, I look forward to it. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much to our viewers as well for joining us today. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next week when I will be talking with Felina Hansen of Hera Hub. Felina started, I think, probably the first network of co-working spaces focused on women, um, for women only co-working spaces. Um, which I'm sure is, uh, is a little bit of a controversial topic, but um, we will dive into what Hera Hub is, uh, why Felina started it, her background, and also, um, you know, as a woman entrepreneur and as a woman who supported many of my members in co-working space, and female members in co-working spaces, I'm looking forward to talking with Felina about what the unique needs are for women entrepreneurs and, uh, and why um, a female-only or a woman-only co-working space is really a beneficial place to have. Look forward to talking to you then, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Thanks.